Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 306. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Soninsky. Hello! Hi! Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Carbitrage. On this page you'll find three options to help us pay for shit at 99 cents a month or more. We both have hams. Ryan, I need to tell you about New Zealand and their knack for stubby <laughs> objects. I had to ask Ryan just a moment ago for clarification on what I thought I heard, and I heard it perfectly yes, clear. Yes, New Zealand has a knack for making stubby objects. So you are aware that they made a tank in World War II, correct? I believe so. All right, so what was just, it called? Let's just bring it up. Okay. Um, just type in New Zealand tank World War II. All You'll right. find it. Start talking about it. I'll do that. Um, what this was is, so New Zealand obviously was in like a very shit place in, during World War II uh, in the event of a Japanese invasion. They're kind of turbo-fucked. So this is called the Bob Stimple tank. This was the only home-brewed tank in oh, uh, New Zealand history that the, all the photos are going to be this, of the same quality. That's fine. So what this is, is this is a uh, caterpillar. um, This is an allotment shed. Yeah, basically. (laughs) It is a uh, caterpillar that's been modified with armor, and actually having the corrugated armor did help. The corrugated bits of the armor allowed him to save weight and still be able to uh, protect themselves against most Japanese tank. Yeah. Um, shells. The 37 millimeter Japanese gun would give him uh, less trouble than the 27, funny enough, because of the corrugated um, armor. Because if they fired a fragmentation shell, it would fragment on the corrugated armor. Oh. Weird fact oh. Of, of ballistics. That's probably an unintended consequence, I've had to Well, guess. no, that's actually why they did the corrugated armor. Because okay. fragmentation shells, what they do is they basically, they, they're designed to take out the crew and when you have a light tank, you want to shoot a fragmentation shell, not a armor piercing shell. Armor piercing would just go clean through the tank, and most everybody would be fine in it. Okay. Um, oh, that makes they'd sense. They'd be actually. very rattled. Um, and possibly deaf. <clears throat> oh, they most definitely deaf, <laughs> but alive. Definitely. Yeah, but alive. <laughs> um, so they added this to take care of uh, of the fragmentation shells. Anyway, it was just full of machine guns. It was it couldn't actually kill another tank, but luckily Japan had like a total of, I think they had like five thousand tanks that they made. Like period. Oh, they didn't have many tanks. Man, that's a homologation race car spec. Yes, tank. they were, and they were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever kill anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. Yeah, they were all terrible tanks. Anyway, so this is objectively a very stubby vehicle. This is a terrible tank and like did not work well at all. Is this in um, that game? And no, it's not in War Thunder. And don't uh. worry, everybody's asked War Thunder to add the Bob Stemple <laughs> tank. And they uh, Gaijin has not added the Bob Stemple tank. <laughs> However, New Zealand also <laughs> made an airplane. And it was called the Air Truck with just a K. There's no C. A-I-R. No, one word. A-I-R-T-R-U-K. And this is my favorite airplane. <laughs> it is called the PL-12 air truck, and I can't get enough of this. Oh, my God. That's not what I clicked. Please. Okay. <clears throat> that is... I see, I see the pattern now. Yeah, they make stubby objects, and I can't get enough of this. You're, this. like, sitting on the engine. Yeah, you are, actually. And you that's, don't have to look through the propeller. So there's, this is designed to be a crop duster. Um and but this is the thing is that uh having the pilot be above the engine was a safety feature because these would go so slow that you, you would realistically in the event of a crash be going a very survivable speed okay um because like the top speed i think was like maybe 100 miles an hour or something uh i i'm actually going to 
PL12 air <laughs> truck top speed. Um, yeah, their top speed was 119 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, and their cruising speed. Uh, Does this. Wow. So the. They were Italian designed too. Luigi Pellerini uh, made it. Um, the rear, uh, what do you call their, it? Their, cru- their cruise speed was 109. Oh, that's actually pretty quick. Yes. I love the twin. The twin stabilizers? Yeah. T- yeah, it, it's, it's very good. Um, and it's also technically a biplane. It's very strange. Yeah, I do see the little, like, half But, yeah, so in there. the event you were to crash, uh, the engine would absorb all of the shock of the impact. And okay. it was a very survivable plane. And the reason they did that is because crop dusters... Happen. Yeah, crop dusters are usually well, not just drunk, but like <laughs> you're doing mild aerobatics yeah, over a farm field. Exactly. Like you could very feasibly crash, and a lot of people do die doing this, crop dusting. This has better crumple zones than a cyber truck. Yes, it does. Uh, this also has seating for two in the back, where you would put normally the tanks for for fertilizer. But um, let's see here, uh, rear seating. So if you look up um, PL12 air truck rear seating, you can probably find a photo of what the incredible back seat looks like. But basically, yeah, it's got two. It's got a bench seat that seats two facing rearwards. Okay. Um, oh, I don't know if I would like rearwards. Yeah, but... right, right, right there. Wow. That's pretty cool, actually. That this is looks like it's a computer generated image, which is just fine. <clears throat> yep, that's fine. That's very accurate to how it looks. So yeah, you have. Uh, seating for two. Um, so you in cannot... the air truck. Oh, okay. So you can actually yes. see the little view window yep. here. And so uh, in the event that uh, you have the flaps down, the door is not openable. Okay. So you can't open it unless the flaps are put into flight position. So if in in landing mode, you cannot open the door until the plane has landed. Oh, okay. Very strange. I mean, okay. Uh, also, okay. what is even more adorable is they uh, tried to get a military contract for these as a, a medical evacuation plane because it had like a, a takeoff distance of like 50 feet. Oh, I'm sure. And like it could take <laughs> off like 30 miles an hour. Like it's actually a very good object for like military use, like theoretically. So if you go and you click on it and you just get out of that one, that photo. And this looks pretty military. No, that's the one from Mad Max because it was also Mad Max. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it from in Mad Max. Um, oh, that's funny. And just scroll up and say, uh, add medevac. Let's see here. There you go. They made a... Oh, there's an even better one. Look at that one. <laughs> They're uh. so pure. But anyway, they made a medical evacuation <laughs> version that could fit a stretcher in it. Uh, okay. And it could. <clears throat> and they found out by making the medical evacuation version with a the stretcher, they could just put in another bench seat and seat five people. Which is, hey, look at that! It's a fire team. And so their idea was um, for a quick deployment, they could sell these because they were very cheap. Like in sure. bulk, they would be very cheap. They're actually hideously expensive for the civilian market, and that's well, why they only sold 112 of them. Oh, okay. I was going to say at the time too, or just now? Uh, no, they're out of business now. However, there's a company in China that's considered uh, making them again, which I really want to Chinese air trucks. I absolutely want that. Um, but anyway, they were going to sell these to the Australian military for, um, for quick deployment of troops. And like, actually that's kind of a good idea. Cause 
if you think about, well, Australia's the main places that they're kind of dropping people off are on like on, on ships and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you could feasibly land this and take this off from the deck of a cargo ship. So like in the event that there's like they're dealing with pirates in oh. off the coast of Indonesia, you could easily fly this well, in. I suppose like even it if makes you're barely w- moving, right? You yeah, could probably yeah. pick up speed. And, yeah, with wind, yeah, yeah, you're fine. And so you could actually land this and take this off off the deck of a cargo ship, and it would be make less noise than a helicopter. And so you could totally use this to like defend against pirates. And so yeah, that that uh, uh, they ended up not doing that. They ended up using a helicopter because the helicopter is like half the price <laughs> and like did the exact same job. Like helicopters existed. <laughs> However, um, before. They threw in the towel on this. Uh, Luigi Pellerini, the guy that designed it, uh, flew it from Australia to South Africa. How many stops did that entail? Oh, he stopped like every, literally every nation. But he did that on purpose so he could sell as many as he could. And that's actually where they got almost all of their sales from, was from him doing that trip. And yeah, it got to South Africa. And it was like very popular in South Africa. I'm just uh, just just really happy his name is an Earhart. Yeah, no, it's just it's a very cool airplane. This is now my favorite uh, civilian airplane ever made, uh, and it, if I ever acquire the class three hobby of airplane ownership, a PL twelve U air truck will absolutely. The U is the one that's got more space on the inside. The five seater. Yes. Okay. If I ever have money for an uh, airplane, it will be a PL twelve because this is just the perfect. Uh, airplane. Oh, I don't know. That looks like a pretty good airplane, too. Yes, it's a tank. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was not going to be my first topic. Um, but here we are. Sorry, I hijacked the entire episode. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, actually, we were talking last episode about Nissan and how they were starting to do the exact same thing that Toyota was. And maybe it was around the same time. I'm not even sure. But like, Going down and finding their historic roots and remaking a bunch of other really cool shit. Yes. However, I didn't realize that although the GR like revitalization of this company, Toyota, has yeah. been basically 14 years in the making, there was a product that predated the GR86, which was a oh supercharged IQ. They made 100 of these first party. Toyota made these. 120 horsepower IQ with suspension wheels, brakes, why did I not know about this? I don't know. But I will tell you, you know how like there's like certain cars where I'm willing to accept an automatic transmission on because I like the car overall too much to like not yes. want it? The IQ is very much so in that category of cars where even though I'm aware that I can only get an automatic, I still very badly want it. Really? Yes. They only federalize it in the United States with automatic uh, transaxle. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, these, I'm sure, weren't sold in the United States. So these are manual. Yeah. Um, but you can also get a manual. Well, yeah. It's just they're federalized. And, like, I know myself, and I don't care about this car enough to put a manual into it. Right. And, like, also, Jana would like to drive it, and she has anxiety. So automatic would be the trick for her. So Fair point. I'd be very okay getting, like, a Scion IQ and, like, but, basically making this. Yeah, that's well, perfect. How did, this, is, this was over a decade ago. How did we not know? Yeah, no, this should come here. What? Absolutely. Like, would you like to save Scion? This is how you save Scion. Uh, I don't think there's any. Oh, yeah, there are more photos. It's just it's just a cute little boy. It's at Fuji Speedway. God damn, oh it's so cool. 2011. What a machine. I love it so much. It's so stubby. It's so GR. It's got, like, these brake ducty things in the headlights. Yeah, that? I saw that, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, those are very cool. This is a great car. That's a perfect vehicle. There's shockingly little parts interchange, I'm guessing, on the uh, IQ to this. No, it really... looks totally like it's just a they slapped on a body kit. Because if you look, it's just a slapped on body kit. And, and new, it's a supercharger. And a, yeah, it's probably and, the same and engine. And the engine is a 1.5. It's the 1.5 that's in the XB. Very good. That's actually why I wanted that. I'm pretty sure it's a one. I thought these were three cylinders. Uh, is it really a 1NZFE? 94 horsepower. Oh, it's a 1.3 liter. Uh, so it is a Wikipedia Toyota IQ. Let's look here. Uh, they are the one in RFE and the one in R oh, and the FSE. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that's, that's the supercharged one. Um, the one in our family, it is a Prius engine, but it is a four cylinder. Okay. Um, and yeah, they make uh, like a hundred horsepower thereabouts. Um, so the supercharger added uh, 20 horsepower. That's quite a lot. Yeah, so it's a base model Yaris, not in America. Why am I not seeing much on this engine? Beza, Avanza, again, a Yaris. No, a Vitz, Yaris, Subaru Trezia. Okay, so they were available with a 1K RFE as well, which is a three cylinder in Europe. Okay. Town Ace, I love that Mazda Bongo. Very good. Mazda Bongo? Yeah. Oh, my Lanta. I'm really Are you familiar with the, with the Bongo? I think we've. In fact, yes. It's, yes. Yes. That's what they call we old had people episode. in Hiroshima. They well, called Bongos. I, I like that. <laughs> um, Shut up, you Bongo. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, it's not Boomer, it's Bongo. Like, I love that. And it's named after the minivan they all drive. I still. I know it's. Oh, like, it's also in the CHR. That's cool. It's the same engine, a, a, a derivative of the engines in the CHR. Huh. So yeah, I guess it's not a Prius engine. It I is its own. A... It's its own little weird thing. I was wrong. I just assumed. Uh, the FXE, I think, is the the, the Atkinson cycle Prius. Well, whatever. so the FE, so it's the one in R is what matters. That's the engine family. Okay, but that's so, that's the newer. I'm saying like yes. the second gen. I think that was a one. Yeah, X, X would be FXE. hybrid. Yes, X means hybrid. I thought that meant Atkinson. Which is hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Because they put the Atkinson engines in hybrids. That makes sense. Um, but if you're here, we go. There's a little fun uh, factoid about Toyotas. Um, their engine names, they will go, so it'll be like 2JZ GTE. Yeah. So what that means is 2 is the second generation of the JZ family. GTE, G means Yamaha design cylinder head. Fun yep. fact. That's actually, it does not mean performance. It means specifically Yamaha cylinder head. Correct. Um, T is turbo or twin turbo in the case of the GTE, and E is electronic fuel injection. So that's why all these end well, with F-S E. FS is supercharged, right? FS is supercharged, yes. So S, S would be uh, supercharged. Could so. you have a GS? So Yamaha cylinder head supercharged? No, it would be a JS. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's what a for a G. Yes. The supercharged 4A GE. Oh, yeah, that, the yep. 88 supercharger, yep. that would be yep. the one. That, that, that would be a supercharged Yamaha cylinder head uh, Toyota engine. So that was a 4A GSE? Yeah. Okay. So Perfect. That, there you go. Now you Solved. Know. <clears throat> I, I believe they used Z back then. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I, GZE? I, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. they did make some changes in the 80s. S and Z are similar. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm going to start this next topic off before we click on it and say... Uh, we're going to go here onto my Robinhood account. and I'll leave the IQ up until we're yes, ready. Yes, until we're ready. Because he's so cute. 
Look at that little guy. Um, it says zero shares here. But what is the... What, what, what is that? What is that? VinFast is in the middle. Yes, and VinFast is back in my portfolio. Ah. Because VinFast is worth nothing right now. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know what? Oh, I put an entirely nominal amount of money that already existed in my uh, Robinhood that was not account. It was just sitting there doing nothing. I put it in VinFast. Okay. Because they oh, boy. might bring this here. Oh, boy. That looks like an electric chimney. It's called the VinFast VF3. And uh-huh. so, all right, before I preface why I'm actually excited about this, um, you know why I like the Mirage and why I say that's the best Mitsubishi product? Because it's the only car where Mitsubishi's quality control matches their price point. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's a $20,000 car. <laughs> well, this is a $12,000 car. And it's electric? Yes, it's a $20,000 electric SUV, three-door SUV. Um, it's a very small but it is $20,000 plus the $7,500 rebate, which makes it How do they do that? Is this made in the States? They're, going, they're considering making this in the States instead of the VF8. Because the VF8 is so expensive that it puts them into like a weird price bracket where they actually have to like have quality control and shit. <laughs> um, oh, that's out then. <laughs> but if you're looking at... But this is the thing. This is the correct way to enter the U.S. market as a foreign manufacturer. If you aren't if your manufacturing isn't up to snuff for american quality control your price has to match it your price absolutely has to and that's what the mirage did the mirage kept mitsubishi afloat when they would have otherwise gone out of business (laughs) yep um hey you drive a really cheap car i do drive a really cheap car you're very fucking right (laughs) and so anyway oh my it looks really good like in rendering um and if this actually gets made uh i think that this would be the thing that they should bring here because this is a gap in the market. Like people say they want a Jimny. Would you like an electric Jimny? Cause this is your electric Jimny. I mean, yeah. And so I think at a price point of $12,000, like this is exactly what America would want. Hmm. Like steel wheels, mirrors. I would works. like a five door, but yes. But that's the thing is like, it's also, it's $12,000 for a brand new vehicle. Oh my God. Look at that dash. The interior actually looks quite good. I know it's just a render, but like, hmm, this really gives me a, 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 a what's that really cheap uh, Chinese small car? Crap, I'm blanking. Wuling, the Wuling Mini. It yeah. really gives me like Wuling. No, you're vibes. absolutely right because it's from the same part of the world. It's there's no way this isn't loosely based on the same platform as the. Wuling no, it's Mini. not because like Vietnam really does not like China. Oh, okay. And so like this is totally a ripoff of the Mini. Oh, okay, perfect. So it's just a copy. <laughs> yeah, it's a ripoff. It's not the same thing. So this is the Lada. Got um, it. But yeah, so the thing is, uh, all 100 about 100 VinFast dealers in the United States want to see the VF3 come to America. And a lot a lot of the Vietnamese diaspora has actually said, yeah, no, I would actually be interested in that because that's kind of how they gauge their cars because they know that the, their first buyers are going to be the Vietnamese diaspora. Sure. Because they're the people that know who VinFast is and who Vin Pearl and Vin, and Com- Vin, Vin, Vin everybody is. Yeah, The Vin Group. The Vin Group, yeah. Every, they know what the Vin Group is. And so, yeah, like... This is the thing. I am, although short, I think VinFast is terrible as an investment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm long on them because this dude is not going to give up. 
This is a passion project. This is a passion project of a billionaire. Like, <laughs> I will absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he's actually going to do it. So if this comes to America, this I'd be has very okay with this. Much more appeal to me than the VF8. Yeah, and so this is a thing. Is um, you know the VF8? I it is a bad, really, 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 really bad vehicle. <laughs> Objectively, quite it is poor. not good in any way. <laughs> but it's an important thing because we don't have shit cars here. And we need shit cars. Well, last time we talked about the VFA, like that, we need this to be the benchmark. Yeah. to establish the like, shit to your car. Yeah, no, you need to know what a bad car is, and yeah. like that's why I love the VFA. And like I was, if the VFA wasn't that bad, I would have been interested in buying one because I'm like, you know what? No, we need more weird things here, and this is most definitely a weird thing. You would be the person that bought a Renault Le Car in rural North Dakota in the yes, 1970s. I would have. Yeah. That would be yep. me. Yeah. I would absolutely. I'd have like a hundred of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the dealer just gave me two when I bought the one. Yeah, so. they gave me a Bogo deal. Like great. <laughs> but uh, no, I would actually very badly want a VF3 if that realistically came to America. Because uh, for that would definitely fit in your driveway. It fit my driveway. It solves all of my woes and doesn't require me buying an apartment in Mexico. Even though that is like actually a five-year plan. Um, <laughs> but if you actually future uh, planning aside, Vinfast, come on. If you actually um, control T and look up Vinfast VF3, there is a pre-production, a, a photo of a single pre-production model right uh, there. That's the real one. That's not a um, render. render. Oh, boy. I'm kind of here for it. I love that. I really love that a lot. I love how narrow the wheels are. Yeah. Just simple. And you know that thing is going to have like a mechanical parking brake. It's going to be simple. It's going mm-hmm. to be a throwback to what made... The 90s and 80s I want cars. So a good. car yes. with an electric motor. I don't want a computer with wheels. Correct. I want a key. I, I want this... like an aux jack and a volume knob. I want manual heat controls. Yeah, like I want a normal car that is a EV. And that's exactly what this is. And that's a, why the first gen 500e was so good. It was literally a gas car yeah, that they just you, stuffed an electric if you, motor. If you go into. back, there's another photo uh, I googled the rear of this, and you just get it out of this and right there. Um, it, it's four lug, which I love. Those are most definitely. Oh my god! Yeah, look at those stamp steelies. Stamp steel wheels, five spoke steel wheels. <laughs> I'm here for that. Me too. Like, and that's a cool truck. I want that. And it fits two people because that's how many you need for a twelve hundred or twelve thousand dollar car. Is you need to fit two people. You need a smart that can go off road. That's so what that is. What they need to do? Vin Group needs to buy some shitty GM factory that's oh, they have, to go to business. Oh, they did. Yep. Oh, no, perfect. they have they have a plant in South Carolina or North Carolina perfect. already. That's how the is VF8 it a, is. It a union plant? No. Oh, it needs to be. Uh, don't worry, because um, I think that they were ar- they already had like their they really don't want to unionize. <laughs> so God, the intensity in your eyes. They really, they really don't want to. <laughs> oh yeah, they they like. Then I think they were they were alongside and Toyota and everybody else when they they may not need to anymore. I can't remember, but I think Scott said that got cut out of the bill at the last moment. So as long as it's made in this country using mostly U.S. source materials. Yeah, and that's the thing is like they just need to make it in the U S 
And so, but the thing is, like with the uni- the um, UAW yeah. deal, like all the other not union factories <laughs> gave everybody a raise because they really didn't want them to unionize. We go, wow, this looks like a pain in our ass. <clears throat> like, just give them a raise. Yep. Um, Correct. But yeah, like I really am looking forward to this if this comes here. Like, this is again a vehicle that I would buy a hundred percent, no questions asked. Like, so long as I can start this and I can drive it in St. Paul without issue and I don't end up stopped in the middle of the fucking road for some reason, like with a VF8. Um, or like with an ID4 potentially or yeah, like if, if if this could just be a normal vehicle, then yes, I would absolutely be interested in this because this is everything I want. I want a cute little truck. And the door handles are on. It's got door handles that aren't painted. I've got mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have lights, it, mirrors, wheels. There's wheels. There's wheel. There's, uh, there's a oh, roof. There's a roof. Uh, there are pillarless windows, if you look, mm-hmm. which I love. I love pillarless windows. I mean, it's hard to just, tell if all the doors just are shut. L- but. Like it, I know, but you can tell because there's no top yes. bit there. Very good. Very fine. Um, here's a couple of Vietnamese guys that are. That's a video, unfortunately. I, but no, it'll still give you the thumbnail. Oh, wait. Go back. There was a photo of uh where was it where was it i saw a photo of one it was parked in a well, place hold, hold with on, a human around hold on. we were looking there at... right there just use that one because that looks like that is a car existing in real life oh my god there it is that's a car existing in real life yeah look what's behind it a much worse car that exists in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and ford is across the street i am um... fast boundless together hell yeah mm. i love that i'm <laughs> I just I want to have a VinFast VF3. I want to go to Sun Foods, and I want to go pick up my little Arab Pepsis and have a very immersive experience. And your Mr. Browns. And my Mr. Brown coffees. And I want to have a very immersive experience. <laughs> It'd be so fun. Yeah. That's yes. it. That, that's I mean, just, that's yeah, my I, story. I don't have a rebuttal or a follow-up because I'm sort of in agreement. Yeah, no, it's like that's just a car that I want. This is this is a, a runabout. And also, being a truck, I don't have to worry about getting stuck in the snow. It is such a small issue, but it's not like a truck truck. It's not huge. It's just... It has ground clearance. It's got ground clearance. I don't want to worry about getting stuck in the snow. This is what's supposed to be. A truck is supposed to be something where you can take it off-roading or drive through deep snow and you're fine, but it's not as comfortable as a car because it reminds you that you should have bought a car. That's how an SUV is supposed to be. I mean, the VFA definitely would fit in that. Ground clearance and it reminds me you should have bought a car. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't even have a segue for this. I'll just start talking about it, but there are two kind of big pieces of television car news that came out this last week. Okay. One is Top Gear, the UK Top Gear, well, Freddie Flintoff, Chris Harris, and Roy Reed got okay. suspended indefinitely because Freddie Flintoff got badly injured in one of the filming things. So they've, as far as I read into it, and I could be wrong, they're planning to just shelf the Top Gear name, completely change the like the structure of the show again, kind of rebrand it a little bit. Okay, and then they should. They should because it's... It doesn't work. No. The, anything that the trio did, you cannot do with the Top Gear name anymore. No. You just can't. So anyway, that's been shelved indefinitely, and Grand Tour is officially done at the end of this season. Because they're all old. Well, they are, and like, let's be real, our man in and Clarkson's Farm, better than the last season of Grand Tour, for yeah. sure. No, Grand Tour sucks. The first couple of seasons, great, but like, it's gone progressively downhill. They're just getting lazier and older. 
Yeah, point. they're just so, old men. Like well, literally, look, look at this thumbnail. I mean, yeah, our man in is great. I love James Mann as own. I love um, uh, Jeremy Clarkson uh, is problematic, but like <laughs> he is. But I love Clarkson's farm because of how much the council hates him. Yeah, no, the, the watching it is just like Clark, Clarkson's farm is actually quite good. I do enjoy that. Um, you know, I and I, whatever Hammond does. I don't know what Hammond radio? does. Radio? Does he? Is he back to doing radio? I think he's just a dad. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he's, I'm sure, made enough money to just retire. I think he's at this just point. a dad. He's just going to be a dad. Well, he's got to be what? Yeah, he's got to be almost retirement age. Too. He's, a, he's, he's, he's a little <laughs> bit younger than May, but like. Clarkson is 63, so yeah, he's got to be in his 50s. Yeah, then. yeah. No, Hammond's definitely Gen X, so yeah. yeah. Um, that's hilarious. <laughs> There's a thumbnail for a Caterham 7 with mud tires on it stuck in a, a very deep, high centered cattle track. Yeah, that looks awful. But, but I, I'm excited for one more season. Then we can just see it out and not feel weird about it. But yeah, no, I just want to see it out. That's the thing. It's like I'm fine with this. Even after the third season of Grand Tour, I'm like, how much longer are they actually going to do this? Yeah, after the the boat thing uh-huh. in Vietnam, well, it's just like Seaman was pretty good. Seaman was good, but like I, I, you could see that they're clearly very oh, yeah. old. It was just like and right. checking out, and they oh, there's a train. Ah, train time. God. Oh, it's just three locos. Whoa, wait, what? Was yeah. it Whoa! It's just three locomotives. It's a sports, sports train! train. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't get it. I, I would have been I'm, really I'm down mad. to I'm hear not. this in 2017. Now I'm like, yeah, right then. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, this right, right. That makes sense. This is, this is okay. <laughs> um, but, and uh, Freddie Flintoff, uh, he is recovering slowly, but I, I don't know the details on his crash, but... I also... Resulted in life-altering injuries. Oh my god! Yeah. So I don't know. It must have been worse than Hammond's because I haven't heard anything from Freddie Flintoff about it. But uh, to our point earlier, Top Gear needs a rebrand because you can't just put three dudes and have them do challenges anymore. That that it's dead. That format is dead. That uh, style's dead. Is Morgan three wheeler flipped? Oh no! At high speed. Oh my. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. wow. So it sounds like he's a paraplegic. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, s- facial injuries. Oh. oh, yeah, his face ripped off, I guess. Okay, but is he is he also a paraplegic? I don't know. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, that's depressing. Well, I mean, <clears throat> oh, well. Anyway, I, I don't know who the guy is, so I don't feel that he, bad. He was one of the Top Gear presenters. I'm aware of that. Hold on, he's this guy. I know, but all right, so this is the thing. This guy. I, I'm aware of the name. Yes. I don't know who the fuck he is. Well, that's why I showed you a photo. But that's the thing is, um, I really Jeremy him. Clarkson, before he, he started old, old Top Gear. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was the guy. And then you had James May and then that fat guy for one season. Uh, Hammond came before fat guy. Oh shit! Yeah, so sorry. And they they had Richard Hammond who yep. did it, who did his own thing. Um, Richard Hammond was a, was a radio presenter, correct? Yep. And they had Fat Guy that nobody liked. Um, the Fat Guy was on there for one season. Fat Guy left. Then they added James May, who was a automotive journalist, who a wet was, spaniel. Yeah, well, he's a very well known automotive journalist at that point in time. And so, okay, you have um, Chris Harris. Wait. Right? Yep, Chris Harris yeah. is on the right okay. here. Yeah. Oh, you have Chris Harris, that's the automotive presenter. Great. Brilliant. He's good. Uh, and then you have two people I have no idea who the hell they are. 
Well, the other one's supposed to be Rory Reed. What the hell? They must have replaced him in the last season. Um, Rory well, Reed is awesome. Well, see, this is the thing. Is that was the one of the original ones. They also had Sabine oh, Schmitz. Rip. Um, but like the thing is, is like it never quite took off because no. you had like people that were genuinely really good friends and like had rapport outside of the show. Yep. And now you just have three yobs. Uh, which is not the same. It's Three just... good car journalists that don't have chemistry does not make for a good Top Gear. No, like you'd have to have something where it's like they have previous rapport, they actually like each other, and they're good on. If you've like, ever called TV. the other presenters with your personal phone to their personal phone at midnight to yell at them, yeah, that's going to be a good series. Yeah, that, and that's the thing is like it's just, <laughs> it's not the same. It's forced and like. That's why, like, the format just needs to go away. They need to completely start I think, over. I think a really good example of how you do something similar but different mm-hmm. would be Best Motoring, which is Kaichi Sachia, Nab Taniguchi, oh so and Max Cerrito. Um, well, okay, so Kaichi Sachia, well, he's the actual, like, fa- like, father of drift racing. Okay. Uh, Nab Taniguchi was one of the best drift racers and actually went from drift racing to Le Mans racing. Is his first name really Nob? It's Nabarino. Oh. But everybody calls him Nob for no no one better. Um, that's his nickname. It has a different yeah. meaning in my book. Yes. I like it, though. <laughs> but, yeah, this is Nob Taniguchi and then Max Arito. Um, and then Max Arito. Um, I'm hungry you, for Doritos now. You know the, the video of the car at uh, Abyssu Circuit that's flying through the air, lands, and continues drifting? No. Um, not looking it up. I no, no, it, it's it, no. It, it is really an one of the most incredible. Remind feats. me when we're done no, with I, the episode. I, it, you just it, it's it's a maybe a th- a thirty second clip. Yeah, we're gonna get DMC eight. No, that we're not. Shit. Trust me, because it, it's an internet well, gif. Put it at in this the point. GIF. Put um, it in the thingy. Just put it at the top with stubby objects. <laughs> Let's see here. And yes, that's the working name of this episode so far. I love that. No, it's good. Oh, Abyssu Jump Drift. Oh, fuck, I clicked the wrong button. I clicked it. Uh, hang on, is this the GIF? Hold on, 36 seconds. It's this one. Yeah, put it in mute. Just mute it immediately. Um, oh, I don't have premium on this? Oh, God. <laughs> or ad blocker, because YouTube's um, well, throwing I have premium, so I don't care, but like not on this account. Oof. Well, at least you can have only one ad. So for good. a 36 second clip that's probably going to get this thing dmca no it's really not like <clears throat> all right so you'll see him come through here all right audio listeners you're gonna have to go over to the video podcast and on then youtube that jesus so you see that the car was off the ground when he yep. started that drift yeah and then he continues it all the way through oh hey that's yeah so anyway uh let's go back to that Wonder Flying. why that's the most replayed. Yeah, it's incredible. It's what if, it, what if that's his home circuit? <clears throat> anyway, it, it's one of the most incredible pieces of like driving. drifting history. Yeah, I have to say driving. That's... Yeah, that's incredible, and then continues it through. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, one of the guys that's on. Uh, but anyway, so what they've done is they have a show where basically they take Japanese tuning companies 
and they the tuning companies bring their cars for these three race car drivers to race them. Okay. And they'll have like, like fully built cars from the tuners. Yes. Oh, okay. Like you'll have like a spoon, like tuned Civic. Nice. Versus a Mugen tuned Civic. Oh. Versus a Seeker tuned Civic. Something like that, or they'll race like a bunch of GR86 tuned cars versus Kaichi Sachia's AE86, and to see who would actually be able to have the fastest car. Okay. It's a really great series. It's it, it's been on since the eighties. Oh my god! Uh, with different presenters, but the thing is, <clears throat> is when they bring in a new presenter, um, they make sure that the presenter has rapport with the other two. So it's not just you have random people. Write down a list of the fifty people that you dialogue with on an average week, and basically. then they circle the people that are in common. But basically, well, what, what they do is they they will um, like so like. Kaichi Sachia and Nob Tanaguchi are the two that have been there for like 20 years. <laughs> Nob. I know, right? They've been there for like 20 years. Uh, actually, Kaichi's been there since the 90s. <laughs> um, like, there's like old, like, best motorings from like when the EK Civic first like was revealed, and they're racing a stock EK SIR versus a stock EG SIR to oh, see so if the EK is... Oh, so they're definitely bongos then. Yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. But anyway, the thing is, is they have a natural rapport with each other. Yeah. And when you bring when you bring people to them, you don't try to repeat what they're doing with other people. Right. And that's where the BBC is really missing the boat here, is they're trying to recreate something that cannot be recreated. Correct. They need to have completely a different format. And well, the, their YouTube stuff, I think, is still quite good for Top Gear because it's just one person yeah. doing the review the entire time. And it has no other people in dialogue with it because it just seems too forced. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the most important thing. It's like what they did is when they got rid of the trio, well, they got rid of Top Gear. Correct. Like, and people said that at the time. And, and they still say, say that. So nobody. Correct. It's been almost 10 years of nobody watching your fucking show. Like, but, <laughs> and that's one of those things too. Is like I was excited, genuinely, all the time for the Top Gear to finally launch. I'd go on the torrent sites because yeah, I had exactly. No, I remember you go to Street Fighter and watch like full watch episode. an episode oh, so in cool. ten minute segments. Like you <laughs> yeah. have to queue up six videos to watch it in like four eighty p. It was great. It was always <laughs> shitty when the fifth segment was missing too. Yeah, like you bastards. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or it was like the fifth segment was like mistitled. It was actually the third segment. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- but anyway, that's the thing. Is like, street, it, yeah, people fire. actually oh cared. God. Nobody has given a shit about Top Gear like that. Anyway, um, I got a question. Sure. What percentage of new cars sold in Mexico were Chinese? Do you think in the year two thousand twenty-three? China. I, I by did, the way, I did not actually see this. So China did not sell a. They did not sell more than a hundred cars in Mexico prior to the year two thousand sixteen. Okay. So that's just, for reference, how new they are to have official presence in the market. I would imagine a good number, mainly because of like shipping that's already going to Cuba, and the fact that Mexico is so and close And these are brand, brand new cars, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, still, I, I think most of the shit that Cuba buys is Chinese now, because it's cheap, and they can actually yeah, get it. Much, no yeah. sanctions. I would say on percentage, in new cars sold in Mexico right now that are Chinese, 12? Nope. Higher Give or lower? Higher. Really? Yep. 30. Not quite that high. Okay, 25. 20%. Okay. That is, that's a lot. 
Especially you, considering 2016, it was, it was 100 one, units. Uh, less than 100 <laughs> units in total because they had no official. 20, one in five cars. In, sold in Mexico is, made, is Chinese branded and made in China and then wow. brought to Mexico. Um, okay. And the thing is, it's because China makes good cars. Now? Yeah. In 2016, they did. They did. In Top Gear tested them, they were fine. They were passable, but they were, like, they it, was, were, it was a great looking car that had like what was it a a twenty year old Alfa Romeo four cylinder and a three cylinder three speed auto. Yeah, like that's fine for a normal person. Okay, you have to understand these are not like car enthusiasts. This is like abuelas and like bakers and stuff and like dentists driving them. Not, give me freedom or give me bingo, sir. Yeah, exactly. And so this is the thing, is that in a world where you don't have U.S. trade regulations and stupid politics getting in the way and you just have a car being des- like sold as an objective... Hey, can I buy that? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's got turn signals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even that you don't really need. Um, in a world where you, where you can buy a car because you want it, China sells one in five cars. Because they make good cars, like good normal cars. Like, cheap would you like a too. good normal cheap car? Yes, I'd like a good normal cheap car. I don't want something fancy for my daily driver. This is the Paragua Pacific Rimmer and yeah, UK exactly, yeah, syndrome. Exactly, like, I it's just, just like, want a cheap good car. Yeah, and that's exactly what China is doing in Mexico, and I'm absolutely here for it. Like, this is great. Like, that's a BYD right there. That's being operated as a taxi, and those aren't yet sold here, but will be very shortly. Yeah, and I think. Um, this is the thing is that the United States um, automotive industry, instead of making better vehicles, uses the government to regulate against their competition. They don't make better objects. This is why American cars are only sold in America. This, there's a reason you don't buy a Buick in Poland. China Buicks sell really well in China. They do. Yes, because they're designed for the Chinese market. Correct, and it shows. <laughs> yeah, and that's the ones we get here. But like, the thing is, is like you're not going to go and buy a Buick LeSabre in Poland because nobody wants it. It's not a good car. Well, there's it's like very five expensive. That like the, it's like the Germans that buy a Dodge Ram. Yeah, exactly. Those, but people. like that's not a substantial. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing: is that America? We've always done this. We always will. It's very fucking dumb. But that's us. Yeah. That we, checks out. Instead of just making a better object, we tell people that they can't buy the good object available elsewhere. And uh, you're right. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunate. I'm not saying it's unfortunate that you're right, but like your points are good. And yeah. that is, I believe the reason that's exactly the only reason why like the, everyone's political system is broken. Ours is broken in a specific way. We're greasing the wheels of justice mm-hmm. and having super PACs and all these influencers. Well, it's been before that, though, because yeah. the chicken tax is in the 60s. True. This has been a thing in America forever. Like, the fact that, like, the New Deal was a big deal because it was just things that we should have done and that every other country had done at that point in time, like, that's ridiculous. And the fact that, like... That Teddy Roosevelt got big for busting monopolies and trusts. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. Corporations aren't fucking people. Oh, They're yeah, not going to vote for are. you. Well, They're going to give you money to get people to vote for you. But the fact that China now owns our country, they do. Yeah, they do. They yeah. should be able to make just, BYDs happen here. 
I well, I, I just genuine when it comes to buying a product sold in this country, I don't give a shit where it's made. I want. I want it to be sold. It doesn't matter anymore. I want it to be sold on its merits. Mm -hmm. The only times in which, like, maybe it shouldn't be sold here is, like, hey, here's an entire Chinese computer system and network system that is being sold to Malmstrom Air Force Base to control our nukes. Then maybe that's something that should be domestically produced. But you know what isn't? Controlling the nuclear missiles in Malmstrom Air Force Base? Anything Chinese. Grandma's commuter car is not the vehicle. But Ryan, if we give Grandma her BYD commuter car, the next step is Chinese computer clones controlling our nukes. Ah! Uh, it's a natural progression. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. It, it's, just, it's just really, it's really, really dumb. And they say it is to protect jobs, but like... Actually, the amount of onshoring that's happening right now... It's tremendous because the cost of labor in mainland China is not that different than it is here. Yeah, right now. and they say it's to protect our jobs. Well, we do plenty of things that don't protect our jobs as well. Uh, like during the Bush administration, we spent all of our time offshoring everything. Oh my god! And so, like, those are the same people that the same political party that said, "Oh, we don't want to have you know." we don't want Chinese cars to be sold here because we don't want to have to compete against them. Well, you're going to have to compete against them in fucking right. other us, markets. every other market in the world. I was going to say, you export all your shit The vast majority else. of humans in the world are still going to be affected by this other product existing. Maybe instead of insulating our small little <laughs> tiny market in a globalized society. I was going to say, before the internet, that worked. Yeah. Now it doesn't. Like in, in like 1950, sure, that worked. Look how much better American cars have gotten since 1997, when yeah. the internet became common in homes. Yeah. And no, people even could when research. We were, when we were in high school, yeah. when every single person was our age stopped caring about Corvettes, and we were all collectively like, we want Skylines. Mm-hmm. Like, that made cars better. Yep. And now they are better. So Yeah, I don't want your C4. I want a 300ZX. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like there's there are ways to. I think the best way that like we are protecting jobs in our country people. regarding imported vehicles is our tax credit for EVs. Where it's like if it's made well in America, yeah, then you get well, a tax the credit. United States specifically, yeah. But like the thing is, is like it also doesn't make it illegal to own <laughs> or a to BMW i3 <laughs> made in Germany, right. like. It should not be illegal. I shouldn't have to buy a house in Mexico to have a Suzuki Jimny. But here like, we are. If I import a vehicle, mm-hmm. and as long as it meets emissions regulations mm-hmm. and doesn't hurt other people, then it's fine. Yeah, I could see like crash safety is like, well, we use this governing body. I'm like, well, this country uses a different one, and you sell that car there too, and it's fine there. So... Can we yeah. establish like a minimum standard that you guys all hit there where it's okay? Well, there is a minimum in? standard. That's actually why most cars can go between other countries. It's just the United States does not use that minimum standard to protect American-produced vehicles. Oh, wow. I feel so That's protected. actually exactly why the Nissan Tsuru uh, quit being sold. Because Nissan was actually being mandated by this international governing body to stop selling the car because it didn't hit their minimum crash test Wasn't ratings. That was the Sentra, right? The old the, one? Yeah. Okay. Because it finally got a zero. And <laughs> this is called NCAP. Um, okay. And so it, they got a zero on their crash test rating, and they were told to stop selling it. And the reason they were told to stop selling it is they're going to start uh, scrutinizing every single car they make closer while that car was being produced. 
and that's how it worked. Perfect. They got rid of the shitty car. Well, shitty, quote unquote. But like, you the, the unsafe vehicle. Yeah, but the thing is, is that they again because that car was being sold there because everybody else followed that crash test standard. You could still go buy a Tsuru and drive it to Chile and register it in Chile as long as you got across the Darien Gap. But, like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I just think it, it's just so stupid that I can't get these Chinese cars. Like, it, I should be able to buy a bad vehicle. Like, our, stop stopping our, me from making a bad decision. Our import laws do need to change. Yeah, and our import laws are purely the uh, effect of lobbyists. Because it was the National Automotive Dealer Association that made the 25-year rule. They literally, it was written because Mercedes wasn't able to sell cars that people wanted because of our stupid headlights, the Euro front ends oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people just go and buy a Euro car. And, and gray market it. Yeah. Exactly. That's how it happened. So I just think you should still be able to gray market car. It's... That, that's going to be such a small fragment of the public. Seriously, make it really expensive, then it's fine. Yeah, or even, it's just like already a big pain in the ass. Like, it's $3,000 to, like... If Not true. I, as long as it's a pain in the ass, people aren't going to do it. It's going to be a pain mm-hmm. in the ass. Yeah, well, even if you have, like, independent importers, like, in the 1950s. Like, uh, so in the 1950s, you could buy Citron here, wherever you wanted, yep. e- even if they didn't sell it here. Oh, they sold a ton they of were, they were, but Yeah, but there were private dealerships that sold imported cars. And when they said this sort of stigma of imported cars came from is they were imported from countries in which didn't have dealer networks. So if you wanted say like a Talbo Simca, like some very strange European car that's not sold in America, you're not going to have a dealership. I really want to hit that, but I think you're, that car is too. It new. is a fifties car. Um, but if you wanted a Talbo Simca, you could bring a Talbo Simca here. It would be, Awful in every sense of the word to own here, <laughs> and you would likely not survive any sort of crash against an American vehicle. And if it went, sorry, when it breaks, you will not have any parts support. But that's your fucking problem. You still bought the car, mm-hmm. so that's your thing. And uh, it's it was fine. That's when America was doing great. Our automotive manufacturing was at its peak then, and you still had every. Even though you could get yourself whatever you wanted, you could get yourself a Borg Ward Isabella, mm-hmm. that made up such a small fraction. You went and bought a Nobody 57 Bel Air. Yeah, you still bought the Bel Air because the Bel Air was a better car for America at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is these rules, like what's stopping me from getting a Suzuki Maruti Alto is solely the U.S. government. But the thing is me buying a Suzuki Maruti Alto does not mean that, oh, my neighbor is going to forego buying a totally reasonable lease lessee vehicle talk- for their normal commuter and buy this weird little <laughs> Pakistani like 1980s Suzuki K car that's still in production. So we did make some progress a couple of years ago though, actually with the, the limited production mm-hmm. import stuff. And I, that I, I remember that being was good. very excited at the time because like, wow, that's really great because you don't need to do emissions or crash test stuff. Yes. And you could make a very limited number of cars and just bring them in. Yeah, so you could bring Paganis and stuff like that. But right. like, But I would like it if like that same number of cars was allowed for stuff like, stuff like this even. Because like, yeah. there are going to be some people that want it. And if you're not bringing in 100,000 of them a year, well, who, even then, who really cares? I never in my life 
unless it's maybe a VF3, I don't see myself buying a new car in the U.S. market ever in my life. Well, in our currently. current circumstances, certainly not. Yeah, and so this is something you're never going to lose me as a customer because I'm not a customer already. I'm never going to be a customer. I'm not your problem. I'm not the person that you're, you're supposed to be affecting here. So, yeah, I just think this is wild. Anyway. All right. <laughs> oh, no, good conversation, frankly. I mean, I, I am in agreement. Like, I wish I could just go buy a new relevant car to me. from, Like a Jimny, for instance. Is that really doing any harm to this country? No. No. Well, I could see a Jimny. Now, that's the thing is, theoretically, now if Suzuki just brought that here, I could see that totally tipping over Jeep. Well, yes, but, but having to go to Mexico quantity, and you have yeah. to go and it's like you or have to not even that like you have to buy it like say it's a six month wait no matter what you have to go through a, a registered importer you have to go through tons of checks just yeah. anything that slows like you it, down like it was and pisses you off yeah and, and you have to really want it and I think that's also a, you would have you would generate so many jobs because there's places like Top Rank where it's like hey. I have this card. I'd like to get this federalized for the U.S. government. Okay, cool. Well, it's going to be like $10,000 to federalize this That's because what, of the extra shit we have to do. Okay, cool. Once it's federalized, we can also take all this shit off, but this is a hoop you have to jump through. That's fine because that creates jobs. That's a disincentive. I can still buy my fucking car. And that's what dealers can start to do because you know what they are now? They're irrelevant because mm-hmm. most people buy their shit online. Anyway, yep. I want to talk about Hyundai Kia making... Less reliable engines than BMW. I know that that's very hard to read. No, this is a it's a fascinating. This is a fascinating graph because uh, what this is is it's it's a weighted, so mm-hmm. it's it's per thousand units. Yep, which makes a big difference, by the way. <laughs> but this is manufacturer engine issues, 2015 to 2023. So a very relevant time period. And I would have sworn up and down BMW would have been the top, but they're not. They're actually no, it's Hyundai third by, behind Hyundai and Kia. And Hyundai have, and Kia are the same company. They are. And they have almost 30% of engine mechanical issues. Because they're terrible. The Theta engine has done such irreparable damage it is, to uh, their reliability. No, it is actually exactly one quarter. Of, it, it's oh, okay. 14.2 plus right. No, you can't read that very easily. No, I can't. Well, um, like Land Rover is only 4.2. I don't go up because they're using that. Mazda, Mazda, Mazda. Purple and black. Wow. Okay. This is um, awful uh, UI. Um, but okay. Uh, this was, Some guy on Reddit made this. So that's fair. It's but not it's perfect, still. But yeah, but this is still. The actual accurate. numbers yeah. are here. So, I mean, it's fascinating. But I really. I clicked into this. I'm like, oh, show me BMW. Show me. Oh my God! Yeah, Hyundai no, but, Kia. I'm surprised Volvo is where it is. Where is Volvo? Oh wow, they're a sliver. One point one percent of. But they only make one engine, and they do actually tell you to service it. Yeah, and they actually do. They do one thing good. Yep. Shockingly, Toyota's fine. Volkswagen is six point six, which is half of either of the pies. You know what I'm Hyundai curious Kia. about? If you so with Toyota being one point seven percent, and Volvo being one point one percent, what would Toyota be if you removed? The Supra and the GR86. Just GR86. The B58 is perfect. No, I'm still saying that because it's still a BMW. It's not their problem. They, any pro, any issue that ever happened with the B58 is not a Toyota issue. So what I'm saying is... Remove, remove the Subaru engine. No, no. Just remove all engines that Toyota did not directly design and make. That, that's what I'm saying. Because even, like, even if that, that still waits at the other direction. Fine. So it's like the B58 is still... That's a BMW thing. That should be a BMW. It wouldn't change the data, but we can take it out. For but the uh, what I'm saying is, like, if it no, because it, it, dra- it would drag them 
down. No, because there aren't any failures on the B-52. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you drag them down, though. No, because the Subaru engine drags them up in percentage. The B-58, since there's no... Since there's no issues on a B-58, the B-58 still counted because it's per volume. So say you have 1,000 engines, yeah. 100 engines are B-58s that are known to not have issues. Yeah. You now have 10% of your engines not making any issues. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I, is that I, I it, it, wait, it yep. waits at the, the opposite direction. So if it was purely Toyota-designed and made engines... Oh, boy. I... I would bet. Where is Subaru anyway? That, that uh, Subaru is there about okay. twice as much as Toyota. Okay. I well, bet we, that could, we could take it right to <laughs> I think Toyota would be less than a percentage. Probably. Being just natively designed Toyota engines. Because we, we're in agreement that like Toyota makes the most reliable engines yeah, still. Yeah, they're right here. Toyota Motor Co. 257 or a Subaru? Oh, I, I was saying Toyota Motor Corporation. Oh, this uh, must be a different... Oh, this is Fires. <laughs> oh, Fires. Okay, so... Toyota's 1998 Subaru's... And what's Subaru? This is total, by the way. Oh, total. So this is total. This is not the weighted numbers. So, and this is NHTSA d- data for... Where are you, Subaru? 879 with a lot fewer units. And this is per capita? No, this is the, the total data for 2015 to 2023. Engine failures sure. and fires. I'm curious. Thank you. Okay, please note yep. that way to pie charts and market is very rough. But uh, engine issues, I believe, is like there's an RO. Yeah. And there was a new engine. Okay, so that's actually done at a dealership. Okay, cool. Correct. Not because so, like, there's going to be. This isn't just like, hey, I have a misfire. Yeah, no, these are like engine comes out and it's replaced. This is like, one. if you don't fix it, this is going to be a lemon car. <clears throat> yep. Okay, cool. Which so, is why BMW is 10.2%. That sounds about right for BMW because BMW, while they are, they make bad engines. They still have some engines that aren't bad. The six cylinders are still good, and that's the thing is they still have those six cylinders that are weighting them and negatively they, for the size correct. on their graph. And this is still 2015 is the early, and there are a lot of 2015 BMWs that do not have 60,000 miles on them yet. Yes, and also there's a <laughs> lot of 2015 BMWs that were still good. Correct. So, um, but anyway, I just this Hyundai Kia thing, and I'm surprised. That, I am surprised that Mercedes wow. is um, as small as they are. I, the, the thing is, I've been saying Theta's shit since we were in high school because those a good came out design, but it was made so poorly. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I remember in high school when the the Genesis came out, and I'm like, that's really cool. It's a Mitsubishi oh, designed engine. That's the tower. Oh, you're right. Theta's yes. the four-cylinder. Theta's, Tau's the Th- V8. Theta. I don't know what the V6 is. No, I'm talking about the four-cylinder Genesis. Yeah, that's Theta. Genesis Coupe. Oh, no, sorry. That is completely different. That's still the uh, the Mitsu engine. Theta wasn't until the Sonata the, in 2012. Yes, and that was based off of the Genesis engine. It was, but the Genesis engine was still a Mitsu engine, so that wasn't as bad. Well, so what I'm saying is, is that it's actually not entirely a Mitsu engine. It's a Mitsu-designed Mitsu engine. Sure. Uh, has non-forged internals. Gross. Which is why they didn't make any power. Play-Doh. Why they never... Yeah, exactly. They just blew up. As soon as you tried to tune them or anything, they just explode. Um, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, but they didn't ship with metal all, in them. All the, way, all the way back then, with the very first generation of this modernized engine, because uh, previously all their engines were 4G63s. This is now a 4B11-based engine. Uh, oh, and the Theta boy. is still a 4B11-based engine. Loosely, but yes. Well, that's the thing. is like Hyundai... 
when they redesign things, mm -hmm. they've never ground up designed their own engine. <laughs> right. Let's take this not what, very good aluminum Mitsubishi engine. Let's add really high pressure direct and, injection to it and make it at our factory. And yeah, that's actually <laughs> the issue at hand here is the Theta. Uh, Hyundai, they have their R&D for like everything except for internal combustion engines. Um, but with their internal combustion engine, the, the Ford C63, by the time they started using that, it had been around for 10 years in the 80s. Mm -hmm. so Ford G63 dates back to the 70s. Um, <laughs> the Ford G engine, indeed, has quite a... Uh, yeah, and they've, they've had a lot of time pedigree. to figure out everything. <laughs> they figure out every single issue that was ever on a Ford G, and <clears throat> that's exactly what they did. Um, most manufacturers do. Yeah, and so Not G, by, by the time most. that... Hyundai Kia got the 4G engines. They've been ironed out. Now Kia and Hyundai, they just need to figure out how to make them cheaper. And so they had a lot of headroom to make it cheaper. With the Theta engine, they don't have that headroom. With the Theta engine, they have a brand new product where nobody knows what the fuck the problem is. Mitsubishi, if you look here, uh, already takes up a s more than about three times as much space as Toyota would. Is that 3% Mitsubishi? Yeah, it's 3% for Mitsubishi. They take up uh, slightly less space than Nissan, but Nissan has always been bad, and nobody will tell me otherwise. I will die on the hill that Nissan's always made shit cars. Even the ones I like are bad. Um, Which is part of the reason why we like them. <clears throat> no, I'm willing to... So this is the thing. is A lot of car enthusiasts live in a bubble uh, where they say, no, that my, my thing is entirely flawless. I used to live in that bubble. I did that in high school. And I'm like, yeah, I love Honda engines. They're perfect engines. They're not. Because I grew up. But the thing is, is Whoa. like, with Mitsubishi... You grew to appreciate why they were actually good. Well, I'm also willing to accept their faults, too. Which like, they have some. Yeah, like, every brand has faults. Like, Nissan has no shortage of faults on their cars. And I can have an entire episode <clears> talking <throat> about all sorts of weird problems that Nissan has. Big ultimate energy. Yeah. But, like, the thing is, like, before somebody goes, well, this person also has... I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's still a problem at the end of the day. is still a problem. Like, being on fire is being on fire. It doesn't matter why it's on fire. It's on fire. Um, but anyway, with Mitsubishi, um, they've been, or with Hyundai Kia, they were developing off of an unknown platform that like Mitsubishi didn't have time to iron everything out by the time that Hyundai right. and Kia were already just like doing revisions on this engine. And so Hyundai and Kia, they're saying, you're going, all right, well, how do we get past the warranty? Like, we just need to get past warranty. Like, well, okay, cool. Yeah, you're getting past warranty for this, but, like, it's literally getting just past warranty and then blowing up. Well, the, and the bottom ends that they were starting with, with Theta, it yeah. was like the, the Evo 10 Gen 4-cylinder. Mm -hmm. It was the aluminum yes. block, first gen of that. Yeah. And then they added 290 bar of injection pressure mm -hmm. onto a port-injected bottom end, making no changes. Yeah. And then they didn't bother to vacuum out all the shrapnel and the castings. Uh, so I think there's a lot of issues with that, but like, it basically comes down to the direct injection yep. on an engine that really wasn't ever designed to have DI. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah the direct injection, and with that direct injection, it's just the manufacturing issues. It's like you can have direct injection on and on direct injection 100%. engine. Yeah, and yep. uh. You'll, you can likely be fine, mm -hmm. but you also have to have higher quality control standards. Tighter tolerances. And, and different. Hyundai Kia did not have the higher quality control standards. No, because it was built to a price. <clears throat> it's and you get built to a price quality. Um, Honda is really high up here as well. Um, yeah, 6.6%. I'm surprised by that. I'm um, trying to think of which engines would be blowing up. I, I would imagine it would be more transmission work. Oh, that could be. But like this well, says this engines. Is engine, yeah. So 
I, I'm not, I don't fully trust this. Well, I don't either, but I mean, the, but, how it was aggregated, I don't know. But I mean, I do believe that the NHTSA data, it's all linked, yeah. but. And then GM, like, you know, I was talking about like why I was saying like, oh yeah, you got to take the B58 out of Toyota. Because GM, if you take the LS out of to- GM. <laughs> or the LT now, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, the V8 <laughs> out of GM, GM would be half of this. The high feature V6 would account for every engine failure. Oh my God. Um, Chrysler, yeah, they're fine. Like, oh, I got to show you the unweighted graph since we're talking about Chrysler. Yes, please. That Chrysler. Makes, yep, there we go. That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, this is what I'm imagining here. Unweighted. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. The Ford. big three. Yep. Right there. Fifty percent. Half of engine failures in American vehicles. Everybody else is the rest. Um, yeah. This Hyundai makes, Kia actually shrink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, We're they do a little bit. They're, they're, yeah, twenty-two and a half percent. Yeah, it's uh, makes sense now. Yep, there you go. Unweighted data makes a lot. I clicked sense. into this and I saw BMW. I'm like, that's not right. Yeah, <laughs> then I clicked, clicked into the, the other one. I'm like, there we go. That's a lot more reasonable. <sighs> but anyway, uh, so I want to talk about cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is. <laughs> Somebody that designed this the HW Electric Puzzle is the name of this. Which is also an adorable name for this Japanese little K truck. <laughs> okay. Who is this designed for? Uh, it's got to be old people. Oh. Last mile delivery in the United States. Also, throw this on the screen for people to see. Oh, sorry. That's <clears throat> all right. This was designed for last mile delivery, and it might be coming to America. And that actually, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Like, that's I mean, a perfect last mile delivery vehicle. That door is like a straight up upholstered Grumman LLV door. It's yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, would you like to have a small, ch- very cheap vehicle that it can get a park and not take up any space and just Ryan, deliver it's packages? Puzzle. Yeah, it's called it's puzzle. Name is puzzle. Yeah, H H W Electric Puzzle. It's called an electric puzzle. <laughs> it's like the English electric lightning is like the electric lightning. That's what they call the airplane. Like. <laughs> Yeah, this is the electric puzzle. This is great. Uh, the only thing that could make this better is if it was made by Daihatsu. But well, that's the thing is it's not Daihatsu, but it's like pretty damn close. It's very heavy Daihatsu energy. Uh, it's got 125 miles of range on that's a single charge. Oh, so good. Yeah, for a vehicle, it's literally a K-sized vehicle. There, oh, there are more photos. Yes, it is actually a K-sized vehicle. God, look at this puzzle. Isn't that great? Look at his little differential, little buddy. Yeah, he's a good guy. I love this. Wow, that back end is gorgeous. It is a flat yeah. sheet of metal. No, this is actually a beautiful uh, design. I really like this, the puzzle. Is Jajaro still alive? Uh, yes, he is. Okay. I'm just going to assume Jajaro did this. It seems like some Jajaro energy. It's very jajaro Good ride tires. Oh. I like, the Chinese, I like the Chinese tires. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, built-in panel on the uh-huh. top. Look at this puzzle. He's so curious. It's a really, really cute Can little I truck. Can I please deliver it to your house? Sure, yes, electric puzzle, you yeah. may. Wow, Fantier. that is very spacious. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Oh, if you go back, notice the USB charger that's just like on the side for like yeah. if you have to put a refrigerator in there or something. A USB refrigerator? Small one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I suppose a Peltier cooler would work yeah, on you five can use, volts. You can use small coolers, so. Uh, look at him just doing it. He's got one, one big boy wiper. Look how happy that old man is in there. He is smiling. <laughs> <laughs> how can you not? Look at him. 
<clears throat> I would yeah. smile. The that company memo went out. Here's the puzzle. We need somebody to drive it for our photo shoot. Okay. It's a lottery. This man wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like slowly and silently cracks from a scowl to a grin. <laughs> He's just driving, stickering himself. It's cute as hell. I'm absolutely a fan of this. Like this is a great delivery vehicle. And it's as long as they don't ruin the face. It's got like the Honda E headlights, where you get so much charisma out of it. Actually, yeah. those aren't even headlights. Those are literally running lights. Yeah, no, the headlights are down there. I was gonna say this is a Phantom. Yeah, this is uh, it's it's really cool. Um, and I think oh, the electro puzzle. Oh, boy. So the plan to start deliveries um, in 2025 at some point, and they're going to have more details in coming months. But it's 133 inches long, 58 inches wide, typical K-car dimensions, I guess. Um, it has a load capacity of 770 pounds. It's That's enough. That's well, that's the thing very is very high, but, but I mean, also it's going to be delivering packages and yeah, but look city. at what Americans buy. Yeah, but how many people in Brooklyn are buying fucking kegs of uranium? <laughs> well, we even think of like, I don't know. Product is heavy. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. Seven hundred seventy pounds. It should be okay. I think you're going to be fine, given the size of this vehicle and like what a single person is going to be able to do with and it, and the American propensity to overload the shit out of their vehicle. Perfect. Yeah, this is fine. So God, look how angular those door handles are. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about this. This is a good delivery vehicle, and also just kind of a cute little guy. Like, kind of, he's yeah. adorable. No, he's just like, like this would be a good just car. Like, do you, do you deliver DoorDash? Do you want an electric vehicle? There you go. Do you want it to be also something that you are happy with people seeing you in? Yep, that's it. Do you that's want great. it also to be cheap? And you know what you could do? I bet you could probably the. HWE could probably put in like a b- rear bench seat and seat five. Oh, 100%. easily. The, you know they're going to make a, a people hauling version of this. Actually, better than a rear bench seat. This would be really good with troopy style side uh, folding seats. Oh yeah, that'd be really oh, cool. Troopy, wow. I would love <clears throat> a HWE troopy. So uh, an electro puzzle troopy. Oh, a HW HW electro electro troopy. Yes. Oh my god. There you go. Wow. Well, Great vehicle. On that very I love that. Troopy note. <laughs> we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.